Mind, I just started recording. So, uh, this is Personal Effects. I'm Warren. I'm Alex. This story is about Sean and Ricky McAvoy. They're pickers. They're professional pickers. This is where my showroom is down here, but it's kind of messy right now. Oh my god. <laughs> so they go to the Goodwill outlet. It's also called the bins. The bins. The bins, yeah. And they pick through these like big troughs full of stuff that was unsuccessful at being sold. Yeah, like or it didn't make it onto the shelves. Like it, like it was deemed unworthy of the Goodwill shelves. Yeah, but inside of those bins, sometimes I mean, you can find like stuff that people make a living finding and then selling on you know like ebay and etsy i found a dirty diaper once (laughs) (laughs) i sold it on ebay (laughs) it was too good for etsy (laughs) um but yeah it's all sold by the pound pound (laughs) okay sorry um so they found something at one of these bins that it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, they did. And so we went to Tacoma, where they live now, and talked to them about this incredible thing they found. We have a garage space, too. But pretty much, I go, like, if it's like a week out of every month, I'll travel and go to as many states as I can trying to find stuff and meet with other dealers. I do pretty much everything, you know, behind the scenes. Sean finds the stuff, and once, I mean, once a piece of clothing comes home, there's a lot to do to get it cleaned, if it needs to be mended, steamed, photoed, listed, hung up, organized, shipped. That's kind of everything that I do. I started probably when I was like 18 or 19 years old. I was working for like red light and it just was so red lights a vintage store in seattle washington not very good it just seemed like there was a few people that were really interested in but i kind of wanted to take it a little bit further and so i ended up you know not working there anymore and then started like picking full time then i've been doing that for like almost 16 or 17 years now was it just out of necessity back then or was it were you did you actually find like you had a passion for it i just always kind of liked cool stuff and i liked finding it for next to nothing and then back in the day the bins used to be so good anything that had a stain we would like throw it back or if it had a hole we'd like throw it back and like to think of like now like people are looking for stuff that's stained and with like holes and like the dirtier kind of the better but back then it's like you could only probably pass over so many good things because not only like was nobody buying that kind of stuff, it's like nobody kind of really knew what the market would be like. And now it's just like crazy. It's just more of like a trend now too, you know? So it's like people that really aren't even into like an item because of the history or the quality or where it was made or really like its story, really. They, They buy it because it's because they saw somebody on like TV wearing it 
you know, and it's like, it's cool. Or like, you know, like Bieber wore this or Kanye wore this. So it's like, oh, so it's like really cool. And like, I'm gonna like spend a bunch of money on it. And you're just kind of like, huh? What were you looking for, like mostly? What what was the most prized thing to to find? I mean, ob the obvious like vintage denim and rock T-shirts and stuff like that, and like you know some military stuff. But mostly back then, we were just trying to find stuff to wear. You know, like back in the day, I was like really into like '70s look, so I would look for like things like six four six jeans and. You know, things with like crazy patches on it and like hippie stuff because I thought it was so cool and I still do, you know, I, I sell a lot of that stuff. I think a lot, of, a lot of people get the idea that it's just, you just show up to the Goodwill and you find like a $500 pair of jeans. You notice like the cycle, you know, of like kind of like the new folks that show up for a while and then you gotta deal with that. Sean is really good though because he's better at dealing with that than Vince. He just has a way of really trying to vibe people out. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidate them? No, yeah, or just like make him make them think that Sean's just like crazy, so they kind of just leave him alone. So he has the advantage of just being really one of the only ones around, you know, like a certain area of clothing or like a new rotation. How how long have you and Sean been together? Like ten years. First five were off and on because we were like young and you know stubborn arrogant and drunk all the time so that isn't gonna make for a lasting relationship but I Sean was wild he was so wild and he was a lot to handle but I always like I always found something though that was like just really like this quality that was just really special and endearing about him and so that's why we always go back together because I just knew that I really loved him and I knew that it would be worth it in that like I just got to get this guy to like mellow out. <laughs> <laughs> um, being married's hard, you know, especially being married to your best friend and also your business partner. It's like mm -hmm. it's a real challenge to keep all that kind of stuff separate. Why'd you leave Seattle? It just got so expensive in Seattle and I just felt like the whole culture of the city and the whole vibe and energy was just like changing for a worse, you know, because I had lived there, you know, since the time I was in my early 20s and it just got perpetually worse every year and I just felt like pretty detached from what was happening musically and I guess I'd say socially and culturally in the city. So that's when we kind of realized it was like, I don't really want to live here anymore and I want to go and I don't really know where I want to go. They tried living in a bunch of small towns in Washington, then headed east and spent a short time in Cincinnati, but eventually ended up in Knoxville, Tennessee. It was early spring, you know, so like Tennessee and like the, the, the early spring, it's like all the like the blue, the flowers and I mean, it's just like, it's really tropical almost, you know, it's just, it smells like 
there's like sweet sugary barbecue everywhere. While they were living in Knoxville, they would make regular trips to a bins just a couple hours away in Asheville, North Carolina. We were just kind of like killing time. And it was like at the end of the day, and we're like, oh, we should just stop by the bin, see if anything's there. this one bin with some old stuff in it and it was like you could tell it all came from the same guy because it was all kind of the same size and era and there was like there was a sweater and there was a vest had like some moth issues but if you see anything like that you don't really throw it back you still take it even though like have to, you know you can't really like sell it for much because you know it's moth ridden but still it's just you can't really imagine it going through a shredding machine did anybody see this as like and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's got like a hole in it. It's like stained. It like don't really look right, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it is what it is, you know? So I was like, okay, I guess I'll buy it. And then I like bought it. You know, we end up getting so much stuff, as you can see, it's like all bagged up in the basement like that, that like things get kind of put on the back burner and you kind of lose track of them. I put it all in a repair um pile it's more than a pile it's more of just like i've got just it's like a room in the pile of stuff they got from Asheville, there was this sweater it was wool and it said west point in large letters on the front i was spending the day doing repairs i came across a west point sweater i mean the wool and everything was was strong the hardware was great there was just a few moth holes so i had it sitting on my lap and I was just kind of like looking at it and figuring out like what thread and stuff like that to use. And I had this feeling that I was like, I just need to not touch this. And like, I need to not change it or even alter it or do anything. So, and it was kind of weird because I'd never had that feeling about anything before. It was the next day, Sean was in the bedroom and he was tired. So he was going to take a nap, but he was watching. Watching a Vince Lombardi like documentary on like HBO or something like that. of everything else, Lombardi was focused on football and his relentless pursuit of a head coaching job. He hoped West Point would be the catalyst for such a move. So for people who don't know, Vince Lombardi, he was a football coach. Yeah, he's a very, very famous football coach. They named the Super Bowl trophy after him. It's called the Lombardi Trophy. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, I didn't know he like coached at West Point or like I kind of did, but it was like in the back of my head somewhere. It was right at the same time that I walked into the bedroom to go drop something off. There was that photo that they were showing the documentary of him standing there with his West Point sweater on. And I look out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, wow, like that's the same that's the same sweater that we have and i was like oh sweet that wouldn't that be funny if like that was actually vince lombardi's and like this light went off because i remembered when i was looking at the sweater the day before and i was looking over it i turned over the waistband and there was a piece of fabric and it had handwritten and i was like well what does it say lombardi or something like kiddingly and she's like yeah that's what it says I'm like, no, Sean, I'm not shitting you. That's the sweater we have. Like, that's the sweater. It's like, it has his name on the inside. What were your feelings like right at that moment? I was like, well, we're probably like, you know, 
found something that's worth some money. I didn't know if it was going to be worth $1,000 or $200,000. And Sean's just a huge sports fan, but I think like Sean like lives and breathes for football. It was like the holy grail to him. Like he was just like, at that point, he just felt like lucky being able to like touch it, you know? So it felt like there was this weird like aura around it that it felt special from the time that we found it. And it just kind of like, it's like, well, that's pretty neat. But I, uh, like I found stuff that was valuable before, but not like that. Sean and Ricky got the sweater authenticated. They took it to an auction house. It sold for over $43,000. Was it was it a little hard to let go? Not really. If someone like had to have it that much, you know, I, like, I'm so used to like attaching myself things and then de- disattaching to them because that's the nature of the business. Like if I like found every if I kept every cool thing that I had, I'd be broke. And I wouldn't have anything, you know, I wouldn't have like, it's, it's almost like good to sell things because then you can use that money to get more. And then people like people freaked out, right? Like the, you guys kind of got like a little media storm going. I mean, we went out of town like the day out, like, a couple days after I, I had my phone off for like a couple days and then all the way back, I turned my phone on. I have like all these emails and all these voicemails from different news channels and stuff that like want to interview us and stuff. I'm like, really? New tonight, a man shopping at a Goodwill store in West Asheville finds, makes the find of his life. It's a vintage sweater once worn by football great Vince Lombardi. But take a look at the coach here. Check out that West Point sweater. Now, take a look at this sweater. That second picture is from a Tennessee couple that unknowingly purchased Lombardi's sweater at a North Carolina Goodwill. I was like, oh, we have a sweater that's just like that. Wouldn't that be crazy if it was actually Vince Lombardi? Turns out it did belong to the legendary football coach Vince Lombardi. It was pretty cool how it all like came together too because you think about it and you're like I would have never have known this unless Sean was really tired that day and needed to go and take a nap and watch ESPN at the same time because it just would and it probably would still be sitting in my repair bin now because I literally never want to touch that stuff because it's like such a pain having to repair clothes all day. Did you guys ever go back to the Asheville bins? Totally, yeah, all the time. People were smug as shit to us too, because <laughs> it's not what's on the news. And they, um, you know, just this industry is just like real competitive. Everybody tries to act like they own it. It's, I'll tell you one thing that's really funny. Like with other pickers that like do what I do for a living, there's like all, yeah, there's like a kind of like a weird under hierarchy system that kind of goes in it. And like if they like. Like, they'll, they'll be like, like, I don't even talk about that sweater at all. Like, it doesn't come up in conversation. Be like, oh, well, well, fuck it. Who do you think you are? You're like, Vince Lombardi sweater. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, like, why are you mad? Like, I get that, like, shit all the time. And I'm just like, okay. I've always been kind of intimidated to go down to the bins. Well, at least, like, you know, like, seven or eight years ago, you guys were always there. And I always felt like, Oh, this is like, I'm encroaching on their territory. It's kind of, it's like Mad Max or something like that. It's like Beyond the Thunderdome or something like that. You like master blaster your way through it. Mm -hmm. And like fashion is almost like a weird 
growth. It like mutates and changes and goes back into itself all the time. And instead of like me kind of taking that like, oh, I just buy vintage. Like I kind of take more of a fashion approach to things. Like you kind of like be like, well, I could see this trend kind of happening. And you kind of like build your clientele and your business based on what's happening in fashion. The cost of moving cross country, I mean, a lot of that sweater paid for the move too. So, you know, and then, well, the rest of it too, we were able to buy out um, somebody's big collection. And so that, you know, we were able to turn it into more money. Is the sweater the holy grail of like finds? There's people that found crazy stuff. There's a guy and he finds like crazy shit in mines all the time. Like I'm not telling anybody to go look in mines, but he... You know, he finds like probably once every couple of months, he'll probably find $20,000 pair of jeans or something like that doing really dangerous stuff. And there's a lot of guys that had like sold things for, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000. Now that you have a baby on the way, how's that going to affect the business? I think it'll slow down a little bit, but like I'm kind of prepared for that. So I'm working like 80 hour weeks right now to like prepare for when the baby gets here. I don't even really know what to expect. I'm not a kid. I'm not, I don't know. You get to a place where you're like, well, you know, this happened and now I get, I'm, I'm 31. And so what's, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I want to be able to have, you know, someone else that like we can share I mean, Sean can share all of our like stories and experiences and like, right. I was like, who are we going to give our stuff to? <laughs> I, if I was making a dollar, I'd still be a trash dealer. I would still like it. Like it doesn't like money to me never like would make a difference. You know, it makes things a little easier. If I won Mega Millions, I would still be doing the same thing. I would still be digging in dumpsters because I just like the I like I like the thrill of the hunt. I like treasure hunting. It sucks when it's bad and you're not finding anything, but when you do find something, you're like, yes. Do you have any like object that you can think of that you wouldn't part with? No, it's all for sale. Yeah, but he'll want to hang on to weird stuff. I'll never let this go. <laughs> When we were moving from Fort Townsend, it was an army bag. One of those huge, like, green canvas army duffel bags filled with single socks. Because he might find the other pair someday. So, Sean and Ricky's house is maybe one of my favorite places on Earth. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, if I was going to rob anywhere, if I was a robber, which I'm not, Sean and Ricky's house would be my first stop. Your first robbing destination? Yeah, if it was The Purge, like, I'd beeline it right down to Tacoma. Would you kill them? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I think that's what The Purge is about. You don't, I don't have think it's to a, kill. I don't think The Purge is about taking things from people's houses that you want. Oh. Right? Oh, I thought, well, I, I thought it was just like any any crime. Is it just murder? It's just murder. That's <laughs> the deal. It's like you're purging the world of people that it's like natural, unnatural well, selection. Sean would just vibe me to death. <laughs> he would. <laughs> he would. It's it's just crazy though, like how much history is in that basement. 
like he was showing us around and there was like a, a Andy Warhol shirt and he was it's like his little baby doll t-shirt and I'm like oh that'd be cool for my wife and and I was like how much would you let that go for Sean and he's like a fucking thousand dollars yeah <laughs> and then you're like sorry Janelle not worth it <laughs> maybe next year once this podcast makes us super rich where would you rob oh I've never thought about that where would I rob? Fuck. I, I, Scarecrow video would be one for me. The museum. <laughs> You'd rob the museum? Uh, like the Smithsonian. <laughs> That'd be like so fucked up though to go like rob the museum to like keep Some, all the museum stuff in your house. I would be protecting it. From ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Personal Effects is produced by me, Warren Langford, And me, Alex Cartwright. Sean and Ricky own Roslyn Vintage Trading Company, so you can find them online. And they were kind enough to let us use some of their music for this episode. Yeah, they're a super cool band. What are they called? Family Plot. We also heard tunes from Jasper Schreiber and, I hope I'm saying this right, B-B-B-Bandit? It's four Bs and then Bandit. If you have a story you think we should pursue, email us or send us a voice memo to personaleffectspodcast at gmail.com. On the online, we live at personaleffectspodcast.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. We'll be back Monday after next. So till next time. Sayonara, suckers. <laughs>